This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast with Art Wiederman, CPA. I am your host. My name is Art Wiederman. For those of you who are first-time listeners, and we get them all the time, uh, I am a dental division director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. I am uh, based out of Southern California, and happy 2024, everybody. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic year, and we're going to be bringing you some amazing content, and I am incredibly excited about the conversation I'm about to launch into uh, with my good friend, uh, Dennis Marvel uh, of Fortune Management. And I'll preface the conversation by telling you that I talk to all kinds of dentists, uh, and I have in my 30, 39 years of being a dental CPA. And there are dentists out there who are just, you know, everything is wrong. The economy is the problem, and the, my staff is the problem, and my patients are the problem, uh, and the fact that my football team lost a game is the problem. Uh, you know, and 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 they they can't get out of their own ways. And then I've got other people who they're very happy to show up to work, give me a handpiece, give me my lunch, give me my paycheck, and I'm good to go. And I want to spend time with my patients. And then there are dentists who are you know, at the top of the game, the, the top 1% um, who, who constantly are working on their practices and not just in their practice. And they're looking at all different ways to grow, to exploit. And we're going to talk about market shifts today with Dennis and what's going on. And, and I couldn't have a better guest than Dennis, who is lives and breathes the world of dentistry and has a, a business resume that is unmatched of probably any guest I've ever had on this podcast. And we're going to talk about what it takes to be a top 1% practice owner. It takes a lot of work, folks, just like it is to be at the top of your game. I mean, Apple Computer did not get to be... Uh, Apple, but by, by just showing up every day and hoping everything would go well, uh, Bill Gates and Microsoft didn't do that. I mean, it, it, the, the top people are just absolutely at the top of the game. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I do want to start off with a couple of announcements, as I always do. Is first of all, thank you to my wonderful marketing partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com. They have over 140 continuing education courses um, on the clinical side. We're starting to build out some stuff on the business side. And um, I would definitely go and take a look at their their articles and their, and their CE courses. If you need to get CE, uh, you can pretty much learn about anything you want. That's www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Uh, this podcast will come out in January of 2023, I believe, 2024. Uh, rule number one, host of podcast, know what year it is. Okay, 2024. And um, we are uh, getting, unfortunately, starting off to where it's going to be tax time very shortly. So it's be kind to your CPA month and quarter. So please, folks, don't send your stuff in to us here at Ide Bailey on April the 8th and expect that you're going to have it by the 11th. Start gathering your information now. The sooner you get it, uh, the more time we're going to be able to give you. you. You just imagine if you had 30 patients who wanted to see you in an hour 
on one day. You couldn't give them all the time that you needed to give them. And of course, you never would. Well, with us CPAs, we get if everybody sends their stuff in uh, the first week of April, it makes it very challenging. So please get your stuff together. And now is the time to start planning for taxes for 2024. So, you know, you don't wait till December. You start and you have a meeting. We do this with all of our clients in January, folks, is we set up appointments. We set their salary schedules or their quarterly payments. We say, all right, doctor, what do you think you're going to do this year? Oh, well, it's going to be about the same as last year, which is not what I like hearing. I want to hear that we're going to be doing better. We're going to be doing a lot more things, which we're going to be talking about with Dennis today. But, you know, are you going to buy new equipment? Are we going to have a, a form of retirement plan? Are we going to increase the amount we're funding for retirement? Are the kids going to go on the payroll? Are we buying new equipment? Are we growing the practice and growing the facility? All of these things are things you want to start doing in January. And in January, we CPAs have the time to do that. So if you are interested and you're not getting this kind of service from your CPA, please call me at 657-279-3243 or email me at a Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey.com. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. All right, let me get to our guest today. Uh, Dennis Marvel is uh, he's one of the nation's leading authorities in the rapidly changing business of dentistry. Um, uh, Dennis is the a managing principal of Fortune Management Inc. and is the director of what's called their Fortune 50 group. And I'm going to let him tell you all about that. Uh, Dennis has served as a vice president of Dean Winner Reynolds, a principal on the New York Stock Exchange. Senior Vice President for American Express. He was the CEO of Tilt Inc., co-organizer of TEDx Seattle and founder and CEO of the Inspirit Leadership Group. He went to the Wharton School of Business. Basically, Dennis, you're just way too smart to be on my podcast. Why did I let you on? How are you today? <laughs> I'm excellent, Art. Thank you. Uh, and you're being way too kind. It's uh... well. Well, it's your it's your bio. It's not mine. <laughs> my, my my bio says I barely graduated from Long Beach State, uh, and I was really good at broom hockey. Other than that, that's about it. <laughs> so, anyway, listen. Tell me about uh, your professional journey. How did you get to Fortune Management? Where where did you come from? I talked a little bit about it, um, and then we'll get into our discussion about what a one percent practice looks like. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, th this was not a planned journey to end up at this place where I was today. It's definitely a journey of experiential living. And it all started when uh, I was a sophomore in high school and my father, uh, who was a naval officer, looked at me and said, I joined the Navy to go to college. What are you going to do? And <laughs> at that point, I figured out, well, OK, you know, what are my options here? And I started founding businesses to see if I could figure out how to make some money. And the first one actually failed miserably, but I learned more from that experience than just about anything else. And, you know, since that point in time, I have both led and founded uh, seven different, um, you know, what, what we call smaller companies. Uh, but I also got my opportunity to work in major Fortune 50 firms in the financial world. And that happened by a pure luck shot when I sold my second business in the world. One of my best customers recruited me into the securities business. And I'm going to kind of date myself here. But if anybody is familiar with the book or the movie uh, Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, uh, that's actually a true story. I went through that training program. And they fired one person a day for 90 days. And at the end of that 90 days, I was the last person standing at an unpaid internship and uh, became a broker with Dean Witter. And I built a personal financial planning practice working primarily with doctors that own surgery centers. And so as I, you know, as I built that business, I learned that they really did want a lot of help on the business planning side. So I started creating a series of workshops that were designed to help you know, these business owners, these entrepreneurs who are in the medical and dental realm uh, really figure out the other side of the business of which they get very little training on. And so uh, 20 years later, when I left American Express and I was uh, building two other different companies, somewhere in their fortune reached out to me and here I am. It's been 15 years ago now. Wow. 
And I, again, I, I just love talking to you because you and I can talk at a very, very high level. And I, I know that one of the things, and I want to start our discussion, one of the things that you guys take a look at is market shifts. I mean, when I started in dentistry in 1984, okay, the 1984, 2024 will be my 40th anniversary as a dental CPA in September. And, you know, I mean, general dentists did general dentistry. Endodontists did root canals. Orthodontists did braces. Uh, there were no intraoral cameras. There was no uh, CAD cam. There, there was none of this stuff. And dentists could hang a shingle and have a 50% profit margin. And, and there were no you know discounts for insurance. And we didn't have all the employee issues. And people, you know, working in a dental office was a great thing. So but, but we have all these shifts going on. We've got the challenges of doctors who are working with, uh, you know, get, getting, you know, 40% discounts of their fees on insurance and it's killing our industry and, and, and finding employees. So talk about the, I know that market shifts in what you do and what you coach, Dennis, are really important. What are the big market shifts you see coming forward here for 20, late 20, for 2024? Yeah, Art, and you know, probably everybody who's listening to this call can share one common experience, and that is the challenges we're facing in today's labor market. And the reality is, if you go all the way back, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago to uh, my Wall Street days, we were predicting exactly what's happening right now, way back then. And it's not just COVID. That's how we took our eye off the ball. What is really occurring is that we have 10 million fewer workers every single year in the workforce due to the aging of the baby boom generation. Uh, you know, the, the folks like you and me. And so when you take that group out and then you add everything else that occurred during COVID, uh, that challenge has been really significant. So along with that, you've got not only labor shortages, but uh, increase in you know employee compensation uh, that it takes to get good people on board. And that's every doctor's single largest line item. And so when it tends to move five or 10%, that's a huge impact on the business. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, most, most practices out there are in PPO, PPO land nowadays, and they don't get you know, the equivalent increases in their reimbursement rates just because they're in an inflationary environment. And if you look at inflation and where dentistry is right now, um, dentistry is actually experiencing a 14% annual inflation rate, which is more than double what the economy as a whole is experiencing. And so it's not only employees, it's cost of goods, it's all those other things, what it costs to actually deliver the services that are impacting everybody. That's definitely the largest market shift I'm seeing at this point. And, and, and everybody would think, well, you know, um, you know, commercial real estate is not good because everybody's working at home and there's a lot more vacancies. No, I'm going to tell you that landlords just continue to raise rents and rents are out of control in the large metropolitan area. So it's, it's all of this and a dentist, and, and this is a message I've been beating into this microphone for five years now, um, is, is Dennis is that, you know, you can't afford a 40% discount. I mean, imagine walking into a, a grocery store and the grocery store, you know, you're going to pay $1.50 for a loaf of bread, but it costs them $2 to buy that loaf of bread. It, it doesn't work. So let's get into the discussion about, you know, a 1% practice. I know that, that the folks you work with really get involved in looking at these market trends, but what is a 1%? Is that based on their production or their growth or their net profit? What is a 1% practice? How do you define that? So I define it a bunch of different ways, but the primary measure is actual um, what I call adjusted productivity. And so you can be in a top 1% practice, whether you're a PPO provider or a fee-for-service provider, although there's a lot more going to that second organization now than there were three years ago or even five years ago. Because the cost differentials are there, it's putting a lot of pressure on the industry. But I look at individual productivity as an office and determining what puts those people in the top 1%. And those one percenters do have a lot of very consistent things like growth rate, like return on investment, like total cash flow and profitability and all those things. And it really does all come down to what is adjusted production and or production that's actually collectible. And that's the one measure everybody needs to follow. 
Okay. So I, I want to, I, I mean, you are an industry leader and industry expert. Uh, you are way smarter than I will ever be. So I'm going to let you answer this question. We have lots of dentists who listen to my podcast, thousands and thousands of them. And, and, and many of them, I, t- I talk to our clients and they're afraid. They're afraid. If I resign or if I change my, re- we call it changing my relationship with insurance, all of my patients are going to go to the dentist down the street. That's not true, is it? I mean, you've helped and Fortune has helped. I mean, I, I know I've talked to, uh, I've had conversations with your founder, Bernie Stoltz, who I have such amazing uh, admiration for, and, and um, uh, Jennifer Tyson and, and all the people of Fortune. And, and it's like, you know, you guys teach dentists how to be fee-for-service practices if that's the way they want to go. I mean, it's doable, right? It's absolutely doable. And one of the biggest challenges that uh, dentists are kind of unprepared for is the realization that the public doesn't know how good their standard of care is unless something goes wrong. So I'm not a clinician. I'm a business guy. And, you know, what I experience of a dental office and what I would view as that whole process starts with a telephone. It, you know, it walks into the cleanliness and the organization, the facility, the attractiveness of everything, the education barriers. Every single interaction I have with that practice is what informs me that I'm getting great care. And when you become a 1% practice, you understand that your patients, and again, you know, whether you're PPO or not, you can choose whichever business model you want. But once you're a 1% practice, making a minor change, like whether or not you accept somebody's PPO, is not going to make a huge difference in your bottom line or your ability to make money and be an outstanding business. So to give you an example, in a worst case scenario, uh, you know, there, there was one survey done probably eight or nine years ago that said if somebody dropped a PPO, they'd lose 40% of their patient base. I've never experienced that. I've never even come close to that. I've never even had one that had a negative growth over the course of a year as far as net patients gain. And that's where this really comes into play, because let's assume that that study was mostly right and you lose 20 percent of your patients in the first year. Well, all of a sudden you're fee for service. You're now collecting 20 percent more and you're working 20 percent less. And somehow that sounds like a successful business strategy to me. So, so you, you've been listening to what I've been saying on this podcast for the last at least two years. And that's exactly, I mean, it's a math problem. My life is a math problem, Dennis. It always has been and always always will be and, 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 and all that stuff. So, I mean, over 40 years as a dental CPA, I get a lot of, gee, Art, I didn't learn how to be a CEO in dental school. I didn't learn business skills. They don't teach business skills. They don't teach them to accountants. Uh, no less to, to dentists or physicians or architects or any of those. So, I mean, how how does a dentist learn to be a CEO of their business? I mean, what, what types of things should they be doing? Well, so, and um, let me back up just a little bit. And I want to explain one trait that I think will help every single listener to create a better business. And that will flow into how do you learn to become a CEO? And there is a mathematical principle called the Pareto principle. And not many people know it by its name, but it's also known as the 80-20 rule. And it was named after a mathematician in 1600 in Italy who started noticing a ratio that 80% of the land was owned by 20% of the landowners. And 80% of the revenue was made by 20% of the businesses. And you can apply that in our country today to 80% of the production is done by 20% of the dentists. 80% of the cars are sold by 20% of the car dealers, and it just applies almost everywhere. Now, I take that message, and then um, I kind of apply to that what I call the Marvel distinction. If that is true, why would I spend any time doing anything outside of the 20%? So the first thing you have to learn as the CEO is that focus is what it takes, and it's not getting sidetracked by all the things that don't really add up to a whole lot of effort. You know, because we could spend tons and tons of effort on things. We pass the point of diminishing returns and none of it has a major impact on the business or the bottom line. So we need to focus on those things that are really at the top of the pile. Yeah. and, And entrepreneurship is so important today, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that I, I wish there were more schools that taught entrepreneurial traits and talents, uh, you know, in the medical community as a whole, but especially in dentistry, because if they touch on business at all in postgraduate school, it's very, very limited. And the reality, though, is that there is no, you know, school that is the one school that CEOs go to. There's a lot of great business schools. There's a lot of great leadership schools. But where most of the really successful CEOs learn their trade is by trial and error and looking at the other people who are getting the results that they want to get. And so if I want to be a top 1% practice, all I need to do is look around my community and my state and go, okay, who is the top 1%? Who are the best of the best out there? And start paying attention to what they do and then start replicating those things because that's what puts you in that top 20% of the Marvel distinction. And this is where the industry is really going to shift a lot because there's only going to be a limited amount of time before 80% of the doctors are working for the other 20%. Or they're working for corporations. And the good news is everybody that hears this, you have the choice. It's totally up to you which of those groups you want to be in. And, and, and oh, you, you're, you're spot on, as I knew you would be. And, and the, the thing is, is I've always taught people, Dennis, that, you know, when I hung a shingle as a CPA, all right, um, people assume that if, you, if I'm saying, Art Wiederman CPA, I can do your tax return and I can do your accounting. They assume that I have the technical expertise to do that, or I wouldn't get a license from the state of California, and I wouldn't be able to do this. Same with a dentist. But what they, the way they differentiate is how they talk to their patients and how they talk to their teams. And, and, and doctors, I've stressed this for years, and Dennis, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, is that when you go to your next dental convention, don't go to a course on occlusion. Okay. Forget occlusion. You know how to do occlusion. You know how to make a crown. You know how to do a filling. You know how to do the technical part of your job. Learn how to talk to people, how to communicate. Because if you can get the trust of people, okay, you did it in what you did when you were a financial planner, a financial advisor. I've done it over 40 years uh, where I have clients that I've been, have been with me when they started their practice and when they sell their practice because they trust us. And your patients. I mean, isn't that, isn't it really come down to how you communicate with people, Dennis? Dentistry is absolutely a people business above and beyond all else. It, it is also a, um, a retail profession, uh, if you will. So when we start thinking of it in two professional terms and we start doing things the way the medical community does them or anything like that, those are all very counterintuitive and counterproductive to the outcome that you want to achieve. If you really want to have a successful business, you know, 30% of your effort into growing that business ought to be put in your communication skills and your team's communication skills, because ultimately that's the relationship that you have with your patients. So the way I define that is like, Art, you and I, you know, we have a relationship, even though this one's digital, it is all the communication that takes place between us that kind of defines that. And so as doctors, you're never taught that. You're never taught leadership. You're never taught executive business decision-making or any of those skill sets. And the reality is the traits, the human traits and that make a really great dentist don't necessarily make somebody really great at all those other roles. It's not intuitive. So you actually do have to go out and take some time to learn the things you need to learn to be highly successful in this business. And and the thing is, is I have a lot of people who also say to me things like, well, Art, I, I, I don't know if I can be, I don't have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. I'm really good at cutting crowns, but I don't, I mean, these are skills that can be taught to anyone, aren't they? They are skills that can be taught to anyone. And some of us have a better proclivity to those than other people, but they're all skills that can be learned and they're not nearly as complex as they think. And so we've actually got to start with who we are as human beings, because if you're going to be a leader and you're going to be a, a business owner and a CEO, that starts with who you really are. And number one is you have to be authentically you. You can't sound like me. You can't sound like art. And, you know, because that inauthenticity comes across 10 miles away. And so what we've got to learn is who we are as physicians and who we are as doctors. That's what we have to develop into this communication style. 
and in building the culture of our practice. So the number one thing you have to develop is actually the personality of a C- CEO. And it takes some effort to cultivate that stuff. And you have to get into training and coaching programs that give you the skills to be able to do those kinds of things. Because being a really great leader is way more about what you're actually doing uh, or way more about what you're actually being than what you're doing. And you can teach anybody to do the tasks, but if you're not being an upstanding leader, you're going to be pretty ineffective at it. Oh, I, I, we could spend three hours talking about <laughs> three days talking about leadership. So I know you guys have a peer advisory group at, at Fortune and in your Fortune 50 program. I mean, I, I had a mentor and that, that I would run my career stuff through. I have been one of the things I enjoy a lot in my work is I mentor young accountants who want to go different routes in their careers. And it's really pleasant for me. Talk about having a mentor and why that's important. So, um, you know, I was really lucky in my financial career and that I ended up with some really great mentors. And while they taught me every lesson that I try to uh, bestow on other people today, I did have to learn them by my own experience, but it was them helping me define what was the lesson in that experience and how to do it properly and appropriately that prevented me from making mistakes. Now, I will tell you that you've got to be willing to make mistakes. And most of what I teach about leadership comes from falling flat on my face more times than I can count. Um, but you do have to go out there and you've got to be willing to give it a try and you have to, to kind of pursue those things. Now, when it comes to finding a mentor, um, that's a pretty difficult thing. And I'm going to split this into two categories. So first, you know, I think a mentor is somebody you have to look up to. And so if you are wanting to be a top 1% practice, but you find yourself hanging out in study clubs with everybody who's complaining about the current environment and how they can't make any money, how unsuccessful they are, you're probably not hanging out with a 1% crowd. When you hang out with a 1% crowd, they're talking about, okay, those are all realities. What are we going to do about it is the question. And so the first thing you've got to do is you've got to go hang out with the right people and find mentors in that crowd But I also believe that everybody has a coach. They need a coach. You must have a coach. I have always had one personally, even before coaching was a thing. And those were people that were really dedicated towards my success and helping me get where I wanted to go that ensured I learned the lessons that that I needed to learn. And so by creating these mentors, and if you think about this as your own kind of personal board of directors, Uh, you can have a whole bunch of people that can really give you some great guidance on where you want to go in the business world and where you want to go with your career and short circuit a lot of the mistakes you have to make along the way. Well, this kind of is a nice little segue because I want you to talk a little bit about what you do uh, at Fortune, what you do with the Fortune 50 program. And uh, why don't you just just talk a little bit about, you know, how you – how, how you guys do what you do. I mean, you don't just, uh, Dennis doesn't wake up. Hi, uh, Dennis, my name's Art Wiedemann. I want to be a one percenter. Uh, can we do this by tomorrow? I mean, it takes time. How, how does this program work that you have at Fortune? Talk a little so bit about Fortune that. started over 35 years ago, and we're now the largest uh, and oldest practice management company in the country. Uh, and we started with one simple idea is that if we invest time in the people and grow the people, the business will grow. And in the world of dentistry, I can't over, you know, I just, there's no way I can overestimate the impact of what your team culture and your corporate environment and how much that plays into the actual results you get. So we started bringing things that, you know, when I was in the financial world, we had all kinds of access to leadership development and personal development programs and things like that. In dentistry, they never existed. And especially when you think that the vast majority of the team members that are out there delivering the patient experience every single day, they have literally had nobody to mentor them. Most of them are are undereducated and underpaid, and they're actually out there the ones delivering the results that you become known for as a clinician. And so by focusing on that one thing, that's where we start, because without culture, all the best systems in the world are just pointless. And so that's really the difference, I think, in what we do and what everybody else does is that we blend all these things together. It is a leadership development program. It is a personal development program. It is a business development program. And it encompasses all those things by being a coach, by being a consultant, 
And when somebody hires me, they're really saying, I want you to be my leader to take me where I want to go. So talk about the actual program. Let's say someone's listening to this podcast, Dennis, and they, they say, oh my God, I've been waiting for this my entire life. I want to be a 1% dentist. I want to, I don't want to go to the dental society. And 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 and, and my dentist, they, they'll tell me, oh my God, oh, you're down. Oh, I'm down. Oh, we're all down. And everybody's happy. Kumbaya, right? And that's not what we're looking for. So I mean, what, where, where do you, you know, talk about like just a little bit about the mechanics and then I want you to give out your contact information if anybody's interested, but what, what, you know, how do you, how do you start in the program? Someone wants to be in your 1% part of your fortune 50. How does that work? So um, to get to the 1% level, um, almost everybody starts as a traditional Fortune client. And that's where we started as a company long before Fortune 50 existed. And it was a training program, the largest postgraduate training program for doctors and their teams in the country, where we bring groups in and actually teach them all the things that we're talking about, not just the culture and not just the personality, but also the systems and processes to make it all happen in the right way. Now, what occurred is that because we are attracting some of the best of the best practitioners out there, we started recognizing the trends that everybody is now seeing in the world of dentistry. And a lot of these individual practice owners became multi-practice owners and became, you know, real CEOs and became what are now what I call the enterprise leaders out there in the world, where they're actually running, running large-scale organizations that are a 100% reflection of the values and morals and ethics that they put into place as an individual provider. And so that's actually how Fortune 50 came to be, is out of the basic Fortune program. And once people are in our Fortune program and they kind of master those skills, if they are somebody that wants to go on and learn how to move from being a clinical operator to a practice owner, to a chief executive officer, and to a enterprise leader, that's where the Fortune 50 group comes into play. And within that group, we've got the, the, the best and uh, really all the leading minds in the world of dentistry are serve as the coaches of that group. But more importantly, it's really a uh, peer-to-peer uh, learning place where people come together and share great ideas. And it's absolutely phenomenal to sit in a room with 100, 150 really high-powered dentists, and they don't look at anybody else in the room as being a competitor, even though some of the people are coming from the same town because they're all there to add to each other's lives and to make each other more successful. So everybody knows who has listened to my podcast uh, at any time during the five years that I've done it is that uh, I don't have people on because I take fees to promote their companies. I am very selective. I probably get doctors three to five requests every week on email. Oh, I'd love to be, this would be a great guest on my podcast. I'd like to promote this. I want to do that. No, no, no. I promote the people when I say promote, I say I have them on there who I know are going to help my doctors and who are going to help you take your practice to the next level. And, and doctors, if you go to the dental society meeting looking for your friend who is going to be the one that's going to say, oh yeah, I'm down and I can't find employees and all oh, these PPOs are horrible. You know what? You're going to stay where you're at, but if you are willing to take make the investment, um, you know, with, with someone like Dennis and his team, um, your life will be better. Your retirement will happen. You will enjoy what you're doing a lot more. And this podcast is a call to action. I say this all the time to you. It's a call to action. If you have an aha moment, and maybe this listening to this podcast is your aha moment, say. I need to make a change in my life. It might be time to give Dennis a call. So Dennis, how can people get a hold of you the best way uh, to, to maybe start the process of learning uh, to see if Fortune is a good fit for them and then and, and to talk to you? Yeah, so the first I would say is, is reach out to me personally. Now, we are a national company. We have people on the ground in all of your communities and all the major markets across the United States. So it's not just a digital relationship like a lot of business advisors are. Uh, we actually have people that come into your office and do team meetings and, and all the stuff that it really takes to help you become effective. If they reach out to me, I will connect them to the right individuals in the local market, but they'll also be handled through our Fortune 50 organization to know that they're getting the best of the best everywhere they go. And so I can be reached by email, and it's just my first name, Dennis, D-I-N-N-D-E-N-N-I-S, can't even spell my own name, <laughs> at Fortune, 
F-O-R-T-U-N-E-M-G-M-T.com. So it's like abbreviation for management. And I will also give all your listeners my cell phone number. Uh, Now, I promise you, if you call me, you're going to get my voicemail because I live on the phone all the time, but I will call you back the same day. Uh, My cell number is 206-718-8567. And if you send me an email, I'll also send you a link directly into my calendar so you can book 30 minutes just to find out a little bit more about what we do and how we might be able to help you. But but don't, don't ask you how to spell, right? Exactly. I am yeah, not I mean, the guy. You know, there's a reason why I married an English major. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I want to get into and 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 folks again. If this is something that you you know, it might be an aha moment for you. It you know, it's time for you to make a change. You know, it's a phone call, and I would encourage you to consider making that phone call. All right, let's get to the geeky stuff that I really like, which is KPIs and numbers. Uh, I want to that that that's something that you live and breathe on, and, and so do I. I lecture on it. You guys probably could teach me a whole bunch of stuff. I'm sure you can. Let's start with hygiene. Okay, what what KPIs in the hygiene department do you see as being most important? So hygiene, we got to recognize that's probably one of the greatest accelerators you have in your practice because 80% of the dentistry that's done in your average practice in the United States actually gets diagnosed in the hygiene column. And so that is the way to actively engage patients in your practice and attract those patients that are most interested in comprehensive care, which we all know are the ones that pursue, uh, you know, what I would call more once-based dentistry instead of extraction-based dentistry, which used to be the standard of care. And so the number one thing I look at is always going to be new patient reappointment rates. Every single new patient that comes in, I want to know exactly what percentage of those people are scheduled for their next hygiene visit. And there are a lot of practices out there that the doctor will come in and and diagnose a couple of things so they'll get scheduled into the restorative column, but they don't get rescheduled into the hygiene column. And that needs to happen the day of their hygiene visit. Don't wait. Um, the next would probably be, uh, you know, what percentage of your patient base is enrolled in perio maintenance and perio care? Yep. Because thousand codes. It's so rampant, you know, and uh, it's becoming more of a more of an issue these days. And we undertreat it, but it's because we are allowing patients to get what they their insurance company pays for, as opposed to telling them exactly what they need to do to be at optimum moral health. And so we have to really train our hygiene teams and our assisting teams and our doctors to to discuss that issue. Because the bottom line is our teeth weren't designed to last for 90 or 100 or 120 years. And many of us on this call today will see the triple digit mark and some of us will see, you know, well beyond that. And so we have to be doing everything at, you know, in our 40s, 50s and 60s to make sure that we still have all those teeth by the time we get there. And the links that we have seen in the last five to 10 years come out in the journals and everybody's talking about the links between periodontal disease and uh, heart disease, liver disease, cancer. I mean, all these things, it's real. It's very, very real. Disease starts in the mouth. And doctors, you're this has got, in my opinion, Dennis, it has got to be a priority. But if the doctor dentist doesn't, doesn't make it a priority in the practice, The team isn't going to make it a priority, right? Absolutely. And so, you know, it has to be, you know, I always say that what you pay attention to will get people's intention on it. And so, you know, if you're really looking at those kinds of things and you're concerned about our care and, you know, when you look at a hygienist, it's not about a number, because if you start talking to them about numbers, they'll think you're just all about the money. But if I say that, you know, 45, 50 percent of your patients that should be in perio care aren't getting the treatment they need. Is that OK with you? They can then start to see what's really necessary and what's required. And we train them how to have that discussion that's not PPO driven on actually getting them the care that they need. And there was a study by the National Institute of Health that was actually 82 new direct links between periodontal disease and life-threatening issues in the in the overall body that were discovered since COVID started. And I believe it. That's just absolutely phenomenal. And if anybody's been to their general practitioner in the last year or two, how much time did they spend looking from the shoulders up? It's not a lot. You're the only ones doing it. And, and doctors, I want to remind you again, again, you're going to get sick of hearing this from me. You are not about fixing people's teeth. You're about their total health. 
And that's what this is all about. A better life, a better self-esteem, a better job, a better relationship, a, be- a better everything. And, and that's what you do. And, and it's got to be, you know, you've got to start with learning how and your hygienists and your assistants need to learn how. And they need to have also, Dennis, they need to have faith in you. Because, I mean, how many patients after the doctor walks out of the treatment room and says, okay, you need uh, six crowns. And and the patient looks at the assistant and says, does he, do I really, is, is he really, does he understand? Is he good? And and the the split second reaction that that assistant or that hygienist has is a win-lose proposition, right? All the time. And if you have team members, especially that are not supporting your standard of care, I've got to tell you, that's a huge problem. Now, most of them don't do it intentionally. Most of them know that if that patient walks out there today and doesn't get two or three of those crowns done, it's probably not going to kill them. Um, But when it comes to their overall health over the next 40, 50, 60 years, it could kill them. And that's what we have to educate all of our assistants on. It's what we have to educate our hygienists on is that part of our job as clinicians is to help people get the care that they need. And as a dental consumer, you know, I'm my own worst enemy. I come to you to give me advice and to tell me what to do. I don't come to you because you have the best margins in the business. And so if you can help me understand what I need to do and help me get that care, that's really what it's all about is how do I, how do I maintain that, that level of superior health? Let's talk about case acceptance. I know that you can look at case acceptance, Dennis, based on dollars accepted. You can look at it based on procedures presented. How do you guys at Fortune, how do you and your coaching, I mean, obviously, what case acceptance percentage we want as high as possible. Is 100% realistic in every dental practice in America? No, for lots of reasons. But when you look at case acceptance, what, what are you teaching? What are you talking to the doctors about? So if they're really presenting treatment the proper way and utilizing their systems appropriately, it's very easy to get to 85 to 90 percent. And I don't care whether you're a specialist or a general practitioner. Now, the reality is you're absolutely correct. There is a point of diminishing returns where you put so much effort into getting from 90 to 91 percent that it really doesn't have a significant impact. But that point of getting from the average out there, which is about 50, 55 percent up to the 85 percent makes all the difference in the world. And, you know, when I say it depends on how you're operating your system correctly, I can tell you that the first problem that we all do is that we give people way too many options and a confused mind makes no decision whatsoever. We have to tell them what's in their best interest, what we think they should do. And then if for some reason that's not doable, we can go to plan B. But way too frequently, I hear doctors presenting plan A, B, C, D, and L in the chair, and the patient has no earthly idea what they're supposed to do next. That's right. And and here's the deal. People are going to spend money on what they want, not what you think they need. And one of my dear, dear friends, Dr. Phil Potter, who I talk about on this uh, uh, program, he was my partner in my dental practice uh, um, uh, brokerage business, and he was a, uh, a national lecturer at one time. He said, Art, the patient is ready when the patient is ready, not when you're ready, but you've got to give them the tools to get them to the point that that they are ready. And, uh, you know, the other thing, doctors, is, and, and Dennis, this is, a, this is a simple math problem, too. Every additional dollar of production I do in my practice, the only additional overhead that I have is lab and supplies. I don't have to add an additional team member. I mean, in, in most of your offices, I would think, most of your offices could do four to five hundred thousand or more in revenue in production without adding additional team members, maybe a day of hygiene, but but team members. So there, there's no additional rent. There's no additional insurances you have to pay. There's no additional uh, um, team costs. It's only lab and supplies, which is you know, 15 to 20 percent. So you've got an 80 percent marginal profit on that additional crown that you produce, on that additional, um, uh, you know, uh, composite restoration, on that, on the bridge, whatever it is. I- isn't that a good way to look at it? 
Absolutely. And that, that's actually, there's a financial concept that's known as the margin of contribution. And your average dental practice covers all of its fixed expenses somewhere in between the seven fifty and the $900,000 range. Now, obviously, if you're on the West Coast like Art and I, it can be a little <laughs> bit higher than that. But, uh, you know, from an average standpoint, that's where it is. And then so up to that point, you can manage a 25 to a 30%, you know, real true cash flow return. As your income increases and as your productivity increases, that number starts to expand where the percentage profit on the last dollar collected versus the first dollar collected can be as much as 90 percentage points different. Yep, absolutely. Now, you were talking earlier, Dennis, about um, pre-appointment of new patients. Isn't it also, you, I'm sure you also look at existing patients because a lot of that falls through the crack. Is that, do you look at that differently than the new patient and those statistics as far as your uh, reappointment percentage? Not, not when it comes to the overall result. Now, I do track new patients specifically because the new patient visit is really where you earn the patient for life and all the referrals they're ever going to send to you. So you want to know what is the outcome of that is how many people were impressed enough to schedule their next appointment. But the metrics stay about the same. I want everybody, and that, that's the 90% number, uh, of everybody that walks out of the practice to be booked for their next appointment. Now, we've always been to offices before, and many of you may have this, where you've got somebody on your front desk that's sitting there with a, a big giant recare list with 800 names on it, and they're making phone calls all day long. The first thing I'd tell you is never print a recare list. If you go look at the dates on those, and I picked them up a ton of times, they're six months old. And team members are still calling the same ones, which means they're missing the low-hanging fruit, which is all the patients didn't schedule in the last six. So what I try to do is capture everybody from the week before to get that number as high as sustainably possible. And in that, so you have to look backwards and connect every single canceled appointment, every single no-show, and have an immediate response. And by immediate, I mean within five to 14 days um, that they are contacted several times with the attempt of getting them back on the schedule. That's the only way you can maintain a 90% uh, you know, reappointment rate. You know, it was interesting. I just saw um, uh, one of my favorite people to listen to, and he's another one on my hit list to get on the podcast, is, is Marco Budicic, who's the um, basically <laughs> the stats guy at the ADA. And yeah. they just came out with some interesting statistics. And uh, um, it's not something you and I were going to talk about, but I'd be interested in, in your thoughts. And, and, and again, we're recording this in uh, mid-November. They came out with like 45% of dentists who were surveyed are having to do uh, hygiene, front and back office procedures because they can't find team members. And that a big challenge that the dentists are having is that their productivity is, I think it went from 86, 87% chair time fall down to 83% in their study. And that a large part of that is cancellations and no-shows. And so may, maybe, maybe address a little bit of that. I mean, are, are, number one, do you have any tips that you're working with your people on how to find, hire, maintain good team members? I mean, that's a big deal today. Absolutely. And uh, and that's probably a podcast in and of itself, but it, it I'll give really you a couple, of, uh, uh, a couple of great options. So first off, when you asked about my top 10 metrics, one of them is actually talent retention. I want to know if I'm keeping my people and if I'm keeping them long term. Your average dental corporation out there, said another way, your corporate-owned DSOs, uh, has about a 40% turnover rate, which is completely unsustainable. It's not possible. And if you are, are one of those practices, it's going through that many people. Now, yes, we went through COVID and all the turmoil and everything that came to that. But I have plenty of practices that still have all the original team members they did right before the COVID shutdown. And they've grown them because their practice has grown substantially during that period of time. And I'm going to share with you what have become known as marvelisms. They're kind of these little one-line quotes that uh, I like to throw about out there. Throw them at it's, me, baby. One of them is that if it's ever been done, it might be possible. So if you find somebody that's got a 95% retention rate over the last five years, do what they're doing. And the one thing I guarantee you is they have a better corporate culture than anybody else out there. It's a team. It's not a job. And when people leave a particular job, they're leaving people. They're not necessarily leaving what the job is because they're going somewhere else to become a dental assistant or a dental hygienist too. 
And there's absolutely no reason for you to be experiencing that because there are people that want to perform at higher levels and do a better job than the majority of the population. And one of my keys in that is I teach a concept that I call, we have really high standards, but I don't talk a whole lot about procedures and protocols because that sounds like something that you're gonna try to push me with and that if I'm wrong, I'm gonna try to hide it if I made a mistake or something like that. If I'm not meeting standards, that's a totally different thing because top performers will always strive to reach the highest standards. And you think of those those people that were, you know, in the top of their class coming out of dental school, um, you know, they will always be in that segment and we can attract those people if it's a great place to work. And our, our reality right now is not the amount of money we're paying per employee, it's the amount of productivity we're getting from those employees. So if you've got your payroll percentage of, of net collections has been skyrocketing in the last two years, it's really how do we take that and figure out how to make it more productive? And it could be that we change our relationship with insurance. It could be that you work on your verbal skills so that your case presentation goes from the national average of about 55% up to where Dennis is saying we'd like to see 85, 90% or better. And it, it really is it really is about culture. When Dennis, when I talk to people, when I um, when I talk to people who are buying practices and they're ready to go in and meet the team for the first time, they've never met them. I tell them the first thing that you need to say to these employees who don't, you're going to be their boss now. You say the number one priority that I have in this practice that I'm going to be taking over, that I'm honored to take over from this wonderful selling doctor, is the world class total health care of our patients. If you start with that as a as a as a culture, you know, and then we we build it down from there. Is, is that a good thought, Dennis? Absolutely. And that's, you know, you start talking about what is the vision of the practice you want to create and what's the reason you exist in the first place. Human beings desire to serve and we desire to be top performers and we want to do meaningful work. And if somebody's just coming to work and, you know, just putting in the hours and trading dollars for uh, hours for dollars, that's not a winning scenario in most people's minds. So what we have to create is a compelling vision for them, but then we actually have to live that. And that's the number one job of a chief executive officer uh, is they really have to be all over. And I, by the way, have all these acronyms for CEO. Uh, one of them is the chief engagement officer. They have to have their teams actually engaged in the vision, not just them, because they're the ones that pull it off. They're the ones that execute it every day. And you actually have to get them bought in, which is a process I call enrollment. It's not sales. And we teach that to doctors on how to treat patients. We get them enrolled in the care they need. We teach that as leadership of our teams. We get them enrolled in where we want to go and being the best of the best. And that's the number one leadership skill set that if I could teach everybody on this call, I would. Uh, and it takes a long time to master, but it is something that's totally achievable by anybody. Let's talk for a second because we're coming to the end of our time. And again, you and I could have this conversation for hours and probably will somewhere in the future. Um, how can dentists, how do you make them accountable? In other words, the dentist is the owner. If I work for a company and my supervisor is one step above me in the food chain, they're going to make me accountable. But the dentist is the CEO. There's nobody above him or her to, to make them accountable. How do dentists, how do we make them accountable if there's nobody above them making them accountable? Well, so I mentioned earlier that when a, a client decides to hire, you know, me and the local market or our Fortune 50 group, uh, we become that accountability partner. And I firmly believe that they're actually hiring us to be their leader. Now, that's not to be their boss. There's a big difference between those two. They're saying, I want to go here and we make an actual agreement and I have them actually create a request to be coached and give me permission to hold them accountable. And the bottom line is, you know, if, if somebody really wants to be super successful in life, they got to have somebody that's willing to tell them the stuff that will get that person that's telling you fired. And it, it's because they're going to get right into it. and They're going to tell you what the real problem is and they're going to help you work it and they're going to help it be there. But the number one thing is accountability is not responsibility. Accountability is self-made. It's not imposed on you. Responsibility is imposed on you. And so I can hold you accountable, but if it's just not in something that you care about, you're still going to do everything you can to get around it. So that's why the personal development becomes so important. Absolutely. 
Last thing I want to touch on, and then um, we'll we'll take the podcast out, is, I mean, we have listeners all over the country. We have listeners in Seattle and in Los Angeles and in Atlanta, and we have listeners in towns of 3,000 people. So, you know, what are the differences in what you see? Because you guys have clients in all, I'm assuming most all 50 states and in every big town, small town all over the place. Are there differences in a practice that's in downtown Seattle versus a practice that's in a, a town of 3,000 and maybe you're the only dentist? You know, I mean, there are. Every community is a little bit different. And so how you approach growing your business has got to be a little bit different. But what I can tell you, and, I, you know, I've got one client that's been with me for 12 years. Uh, when we first met, he was in a town of 2,500 people. Uh, I think that town's now grown to 3,500 people and they have 9,500 active patients. They've got wow. people driving from two or three hours. Now, granted, in that part of the country, people drive that far for lunch, but to come see them because they're that awesome and they're that great a practice. Um, you can do the same thing in, a, in a, a large city, in a small community. It's really all about how do you treat people? And doctors always think their practice is different and there aren't a whole lot of differences out there. There's different ways and different approaches that we can use to close the gap, but we're all facing the same thing. And every single one of you, irregardless of where your market is, needs to do the same things to become successful. Now, there is no, you know, one size fits all dentistry in a box for, you know, for winners, none of that. It has to be customized for who you are and who your practice is because your business is a business of differentiation. And that doesn't matter if you're in a small town or a big city. If you're different than everybody else, people will seek you out. Well, doctors, this is fantastic information. Dennis, I really, really appreciate your time and your expertise. And, and I will say it again, doctors, if you go into work every day and there's hugs and everybody loves everybody and you're making a really good profit and you're meeting all of your personal and business financial goals, maybe you're okay. But I, I, I hear a lot of folks that, that are frustrated and they're frustrated with lots of things. And if, if, if you think that maybe it's time for a change, it might be an opportunity to give Dennis a call. He's given out his personal cell phone number. I'll have you do it one more time. Um, you know, back to the same thing. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And uh, again, if everything is great in your world and your practice and your life, I mean, that power to you, and hopefully we can give you gave you some gems today that'll make it even better. But it, if it's if it's an aha moment that you're having right now, driving in the car, sitting and having a cup of coffee or something, Dennis, how do they get a hold of you again? Your email and your your cell number, please. Yeah, so if I can, I would close one thought, and then I'll I'll attend. Oh, please do, please do. Um, our tagline as a company has always been extraordinary practice, extraordinary life. I think we had that backwards because I think you need to design your business around your life, not the other way around. If your business is serving your life in every way, shape or form, it's going to be more successful than it's not. So that's really where we start is who are you and what is the experience you want to have out of life and what do you want to accomplish? Then we build the business that meets those ends. So again, my my uh, email, and I'll try to spell it right this time, is Please Dennis. Do. D-E-N-N-I-S at Fortune, F-O-R-T-U-N-E, M-G-M-T dot com. And my cell number is 206-718-8567. Dennis Marvel, Managing Principal and Director of the Fortune 50 for Fortune Management. Thank you so much. I mean, you and I are, are on the same wavelength. I love having conversations like this. It's really, I've uh, been looking forward to this for a while. And um Doctors, I, I, you know, if, if there's something going on in your life that needs change, this might be the time to have that aha moment. Um, Dennis, please hang with me as I take the podcast out. Again, everybody, thank you for the honor and privilege uh, of your time. Uh, again, we are at the five-year mark on this podcast. It, it's just a joy to do this work. I have just been so happy with, with, with it being behind a microphone. Uh, other than being on a fly fishing uh, stream and on a golf course, this is my happy place and it is my legacy to help you uh, improve something in your life. And I hope I've been able to do that. Um, please go to our partners, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine's website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. 140 uh, continuing education courses, best clinical content you're going to find in any publication uh, out there. Um uh, Again, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. 
If you are not working with a dental CPA, you should be working with a dental CPA. I am also uh, partial about that. Sorry, my podcast. I get to be partial about whatever I want uh, in a nice way, of course. Uh, Please give me a call. Uh, My number is 657-279-3243. And my email is a Wiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idbailey.com. If you are a meeting planner, uh, I am looking to do uh, more. I'm always looking to do speaking because that's also a happy place is being on a uh, uh, being on webinars, being at live presentations. If there's a really nice golf course near where you want me to present, I'm more likely to show up. Um, please give, you know, again, give me a call or send me an email. Specialists, if you have study clubs, I present to them all the time. And with that said, Dennis Marvel, thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And uh, everybody have a fantastic day. All right. And uh, again, hang with me as I take this out. And and everyone, uh, I hope you are setting up for a wonderful, wonderful, productive, profitable, happy, happy 2024. And with that said, uh, this is Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance uh, and Management podcast with Art Wiederman CPA. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A W I E D E R M A N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.